Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. This is Dirty Red. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of looking around for a proper horse, but all you have is this mutated ostrich. <laughs> Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. This week we are talking about Fringeworthy in the Final Fantasy. Uh, intellectual property, and uh, we return to Josie once again, and of course Trav, uh, her stalwart sidekick, and see what she can tell us about how it would be like if you were a Fringebury explorer and you found yourself in a world that was Final Fantasy. Yeah, well... Kate! Yes. <laughs> yeah. If if we don't move on, Red's gonna have to mute because oh lord. Okay, so Pixie Titus is with the Albed, and the United team gets involved with that. Now, first of all, if this is a oh. non-homogenous IDET team, uh, okay. What there are other races on Spira besides regular humans. And the Albed. Uh, right. I believe there were three others. Let me get back to the page here. Uh, One of them, I think, is the Cactuar. Uh, there's actually quite a few others, not just uh, three, as you were saying. Uh, the the Cactuar, yes, they are approximately two-foot-tall cactuses. I'm 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 guesstimating based on uh, in-game size comparison. I'm looking okay, at okay. I'm seeing. I'm I'm back on the main page. Spire's population is made up of a variety of six races: humans divided into Spirians and the outcast Albed faction, Hypello, Cactuars, Ronso, and Guado. Yes. Problem, problem is they don't have links for Ronso and Guado, so I'm really um, not seeing Ronso. Sorry. Uh. Yes, to explain, they are large, easily seven foot tall, if not taller. Um, they're, they vary in, in shades of fur from blue to gray, probably depending on age. Okay. Um, they are Spira's Klingon-like race. Oh, so the Ronso and the Tazeel might get along. Yes. Yes. Honorable, proud warrior type thing. Okay. 
Oh yeah. I saw actually there, there was like a cast picture on one one of the pages. Oh okay. Wow. And there's a Ronso in the cast picture. Yeah, there it is. It's down with his characters. They actually have all the characters, and there's a Ronso. Yes, that would be Kimari Ronso. If you note, he all Ronso have a horn on their head, but Kimari's was broken. Uh, except females. No. Yeah, that female doesn't have one. Uh, some maybe some of them don't. That might be later. I always saw it as I always thought that there were all of them. That looks like that looks like a catfolk drow mix. She really does, doesn't she? Okay, yeah. So, um, yellow pants, yellow pants, orange hair that sticks up out to here. Okay, and it's another one of those races that only exists in Final Fantasy t- uh, t- X or Ten. Uh, just yeah. X at this point. Okay, um, the yellow pants. That's the guy with orange hair sticking up. Everyone uh, sticking up. Yeah, that would be Waka. The the yellow okay. pants is a thing. Super spiritual surfer, bro. Yes, super spiritual. Yeah. Surfer. The yellow thing he's wearing is actually his uh, Let's Ball uniform. And the fact that I, I read, I was reading up on Blitzball. The the Albed have a team. Yes, the Albed sex. It's like the okay, only the Guado, thing. Okay, I found a, I found a link for Guado. A humanoid race uh, lives among trees. They are a protector of Spira's afterlife, the far plane in the Macalania woods. The Guado's capital city is Guadasalam, from which they guard the entrance to the far plane. Okay, wooden and elvish in appearance, with long limbs, oversized hands with claw-like nails, prominent veins on their face, and hair resembling flora. Yeah. Uh, due to their role in overseeing and protecting the far plane in Guadalajara, they are astute in determining unsent from regular people by their scent. Of all the races in Spira, the Guado are physically the fastest, able to run twice as fast as humans. Their high speed makes the Guado glories an effective blitzball team. Uh, unlike other races in Spira, Guado do not seem to leave behind bodies when dead in the case of the Guado Guardian. However, maybe because of the battle convenience. Also, the Guado tend to keep their problems themselves as seen. Okay, yeah. Uh, they have a religious culture which causes them to come across as arrogant. The roles as guardians of the far plane have led them looking down upon other races. They were converted to the Ebon religion under their leader, Jisco Guado, who later became a maester of Ebon. Despite their strict religious culture, they are generous and welcoming. Yes. Okay. Yes. Huh, and there's Cactar, who actually do show up in Final Fantasy XV. The Cactar show up in a lot of Final Fantasy. Okay, things. so we've seen, okay, so we've, Cactuar, yeah, humanoid cacti. Ronso, the big blue hairy things, Guado, elves. Let me look at the Hypello here. Uh, lizard people. Wow, race of amphibian creatures. They seem not to have grasped the common pronunciation Spira often lisping any words with an S. Oh, they're comic relief. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm looking at them. They are. They're comic relief. Yeah. Amphibious. Very friendly. Annoying. I'm getting, I'm getting a really bad Gungan vibe from these things. <laughs> Short version of the Hypello. Amphibious. Frog-like. Blue. Annoying. 
Yeah, um, I'm getting a big Jar Jar Binks vibe from that from that race just by the picture yes. alone. Like I said, George had George had the bar bar from someplace. That is one wow. of the I know. Where's my mute button? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm... Well, no. They're saying that because of that amphibious quality, it makes them very good blitzball players because of their natural swimming proficiency. Except for but... the fact I never see a high pillow team. Well, it's because of their lackadaisical disposition. They tend not to take part in competitive sports and pastimes. They just take each day as it is. And... Yeah. Oh, great. Hippie Gungans. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, well, the, whole point, the whole point I was trying to get at is that they're not going to, I mean, yeah, they're going to see things like the Tazeel, the Blizznes, um, telepathic elephant with a natural psi calming field, the Demixie. Non-human creatures are not exactly going to be due to the people of Spira. Granted, they're going to be saying, okay, a six-foot-tall, half-human, half-spider, a seven-foot-tall lizard man. They'll think think the more animalistic-looking ones, like the what you just said about the half-spider. Yeah, that's the Demixie. Yeah, they'll um, they might think that is they they might think that one's a they might think that one is a fiend. Oh, this it could result in some interesting uh, interactions. Well, yeah, but again, with the portal kept, you could hopefully. Calm them down. That's right. I'm a th- Demixie. <laughs> You'll end up with yeah. A they have other... this wheezing voice. What was that red? You'll end up with another Shane destroying mountains on things. If... <laughs> Dear yeah. God, I said interesting. I didn't say pleasant. It, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, Chinese, Chinese interesting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. May you live in interesting times. The infamous Chinese curse. Yeah. Yeah. So you. So you got the demix. You got demixie having problems. You have the blizzniz. You know, big elephants. Well, those are riding vehicles. Riding animals. I don't think so. You gotta take them out for a drink or something. <laughs> yeah. Feed them lots of peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> explain what they'll see again. The blizzniz with the elephant look. There is a. Elephant like creature, huge thing called a shoe puff. Oh, yeah, shoe puff. Shoe yeah. Puffs. Let, me, let me look at that link real clear. They're responsible They're for so managing cute. the shoe puff service across the moon flow. Wow, that's a long trunk. So cute. I like the shoe puff. That trunk rolls up like a garden hose, man. That's a long. Okay, the moon flow. Let me see what the moon flow is here, real quick. You know what? They are blizzness size. They're, oh, they're bigger than blizzness. John, basically, what I see here these, these, shoe one that looks at a blizzness would look at him and say, well, You kind of like a shoe puff, but you got the really short nose. Oh, yeah, they would be seen as shoe puff. Small mutated shoe puff. Yeah, and look, looking at them, I mean, I'm looking at a picture I, based on the two people in the in the um, in the basket on its back. He's twenty feet tall. <sighs> He's the size of a two story building. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing. I'm seeing a picture of a shoe puff at the shoe puff station. The moon flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a a shoe puff would uh, a blizzness would be dwarfed by a shoe puff. He's a baby. It would look like a baby shoe puff, essentially. I'm not a baby. I'm a fully grown uh, blizzness. Yes, Sheila. They sound like that. That's how blizzness sounds. Uh, that whiny nasal, so, yeah. So when my nose is all stuffed up, I'll sound just like one. <laughs> but they have the power to bliss bliss you out. Yeah, they they have sort of like a empathic calming field. Uh, let me let me break it down since Red played uh, Pathfinder. Add like a plus twenty to your diplo- diplomacy check, and it's always on. Oh, nice. The blizzness are like natural negotiators. Yeah, if you remember the the uh, the race from um, far from Farscape. Yeah, the idol on that. Yeah, Peacekeeper Wars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those those folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah the best way to describe. Yep. Everything is groovy. Yep. So um, okay, so I I just wanted to get the out of the way that since it's going to be a late late canon team. Homogenous teams are very rare. You're going to have people of varied races. So, like Red, you might have a modern day human, someone from a Roman Empire world, a Mongol, like a Temujin in the in the Pokey Earth game, and then you're going to have this this humanoid spider being a Demixi, a five foot tall at the basically looking like a baby elephant, but it talks, and this seven foot tall humanoid lizard. That would be a normal kind of IDET team. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't forget the guard. Yeah, and don't forget the uh, sp- Demixie are, are more like a spider centaur. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and also, since it is 20 years in the future, you can toss in other races. I mean, you could also end up, because I think Richard introduced several new races, too, in the, in the, in the books, didn't he? Yeah, like the Brupians and the... Oh, wait a minute. So, uh, Brupians and Cactuar would look good. And, and don't forget all the races that we've been introducing with these uh, particular broadcasts. Uh, I mean, there's no reason why Pokemon no can't reason. be showing up yeah. in your party yeah. <laughs> when you're going to visit Final Fantasy. Because we yeah. talk about uh, the possibility of French Wizard Pokemon. Could you imagine an epic BFF friendship between, like, I don't know, Pikachu and Moogles? Oh my god. Pika? Pika? They're fangirling. Oh no. Make it so, Josie. Oh my god. (laughs) I will do that too. That would be so awesome. (laughs) Squirtle. Squirtle. No, what I would see is if you wanted to do that, the Bulbasaur uh, Pokemon tree with the Cactuar. You know, Oh, or completely cross-pollinate your Pokemon with your Moogles, and then, like, you know, Squirtle, when she wants to do Moogles, sorry. Uh, Like, so, if Lulu, whatever person, wizard, wants to cast, you know, something water-based, give him a Squirtle. Yes! So, Moogle, uh, I I can't remember, are Moogles dolls or or creature? Well, they, they do have a quote of, Koopa! Koopo. Koopo. Yeah, they, they end all of their sentences with Koopo. Ah, okay. Ah, so they actually, they do speak. Interesting. Yes, they do speak. And the, that this is definitely a race that's everywhere. 
Oh, everywhere. They're yes. since the, since pretty much near the beginning. So they're basically they uh, they're the I won't say vermin, but they are definitely the kawaii characters and creatures in this world. <laughs> I want to pet the pom pom. Okay, I'm I'm looking here. I found another um another type of magic user, the black mage. Black magic attack spells, but also some effect spells. Yeah, actually, uh, from the Wikipedia page, not the Wikia page, they talked that basically the the magic's divided into white magic, which is focused on spells that assist teammates, black magic, which focuses on harming enemies, red magic, which does a little bit of each, blue magic, which mimics enemy attacks, green magic, which focuses on applying status effects to your allies or enemies, and there's also time magic and summoning magic, and there's, as you mentioned, espers or eidolite. Espers or aeons. Those are the various summoning creatures. Okay, I'm getting a black. Okay, I got the picture here of the black mage, Vivi Orn- Ornateer. Yes, Vivi. Uh-huh. Yes, Vivi. Do you know what type? Okay, John and Bruce might know this and maybe Red. You know what type of vibe I'm getting from Vivi Ornateer? Orco. Bingo, Orco from the Masters of the Universe cartoon. Yes. I see that. And I go, oh my god, they put Orco in this game. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Vivi. It's a race too, isn't it? I believe. Uh, I believe Vivi is actually of a different race, yes. But he is, he originates from uh, Final Fantasy IX. Nine. Yes. Nine. Okay, I'm looking at Vivi Ornateer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up because it may tell what race he is. He's a black, he's a black mage. Black mage is the name of the race, okay. Differentiated from humans by having a black aura surrounding his visible outer skin, glowing yellow eyes, and the ability to cast magic. In in that particular Final Fantasy world, they are considered a different race. Okay. Yes. But yeah. Going back to this, Vivi is an excellent example. Uh, the resident black mage that most that you'd be familiar with through Final Fantasy X is Lulu. Yes. It, yeah, that's where I well because I saw Lulu and then I saw Black Mage and I wanted to go, okay, what is a Black Mage? And down the rabbit hole I went. Because um, I'm, I'm looking at these various characters here and what they can do. She's an arcane caster. Yes, definitely. She and like I said before, but probably wasn't when we were recording. She would she would be akin to arcane bloodline sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I hate to be honest, we would be amiss if we do miss, do not mention the one race everyone fixates on when they see them. The bunny women. The Viera? Yeah, everyone fixates on them every time they see them. I do. They're, they're in Final Fantasy XII, and, and they're extremely long-lived. Yeah, John, when you were reading off those various color-coded versions of magic, I was starting to break them off into the schools. Like, one would be evocation, another would be transmutation. I'm I'm seeing that they would break down very handily or, you know, sort of straddle one or two schools of magic. 
Yeah, I mean, like the the magic that does status effects. Basically, uh, when they say that, they mean uh, status effects. Poison, blind, confuse, haste, slow. No, that's time magic. Oh yeah, that would be time magic. Buffs, debuffs. Okay, we're talking buffs and debuffs. Well, yeah. What I'm what I'm breaking it down though is as because as I said, fringe worthy D twenty the nine various schools of magic that are in Pathfinder. Abjuration, evocation, transmutation, divination, necromancy, um, conjuration, or, well, yeah, conjuration, which is summoning. Those classes that a wizard would sometimes specialize in, that color-coded magic is, I'm, as soon as you name them up, I said, oh, that's this one, that's this one. Yeah, green magic is used to like, increase movement speed, increase attack, attack speed, um, give you more health. Not necessarily more hit points, but more health points. Sometimes, you know, give you a temporary boost in your max health points. Oh, that might be necromancy, because that's kind of like false life. The false life spell. And then you get also uh, perception, uh, physical defense. Um, then, of course, there's good old-fashioned healing. A lot of them are confusing and way too complicated. Doing smite on their on the on their weapon. It's way too complicated to plot out unless you're actually intending on running the game. Yeah, yeah, and then of course you also have the debuff version of every one of those things, where you yeah, where you you do the exact opposite on the enemy. So instead of giving them speed, you're slowing them down. Got it. Yep, you're reducing their weapons damage. I was trying to get with the the concept of if it's going to be a very an IDET alien core team with a wide variety of races as opposed to, oh, they all look human. I was just getting at the point of how would the people of Spira be put off by such widely diverse races as a Demixi, a Brupian, a Blizzniz, a Tazeel, as right. opposed to just a group of humans walking through, oh, you're using tech, okay, well, you look like Al- us bed, but, and you speak our language, but we don't recognize what tribe you might be from. Well, remember, Brupians come in groups of three, so it'd be three Brupians. That's true. And you also will have the, um, oh... No, the 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 um the armadillo thingy. Okay, pangolins. Pangolins. Yes, you. Yeah, you would have pangos with you too. Back to the whole very vast pieces thing. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Um, depending on what your team is, they're going to see the different races differently depending on what they look like. Some good, some bad. Lots of both. Did you just do a Guardians of the Galaxy reference? Yes. <laughs> he watched it recently, so his fault. It's it's the rest's fault. You also will have, you know, like I said, depending on the GM, there's potential for having cat people showing up. I mean, some GMs may have cat people. You may have rat people show up. Yeah, but I'm just saying, John, that... As a generalization, people of Spera will see them differently depending on what they are, what they look like. Yeah. 
But I'm saying once, if they do get Spira proper, not Bicanal Island, the fact that they all speak Albed. 99% of the time, they speak Albed and they're going to have known tech. They're going to have Machina. They're going to have automatic pistols and other types of weapons on them. Right. The people of Spira proper are going to see them as Albed and they are going to be treated accordingly, i.e. badly. Yes. Well, you of course, we were saying it could be a mixture of teams. Don't forget, you also have that mage from from one of those worlds. He's there, too. The people of Spira are quite fond of their generalizations. Yeah. Well, if they are, are human. I mean, we have, you know, we tend to think in, think in identities. Yeah. But yeah, you're even in the magic. Well, let's say we have a Bureau 13 mage who's walking around with an IDET. Okay, you got this one magic user. Why are you hanging out with all these Albed? And why you speak fluent Albed? Here's the, here's the thing, though. Um, you are familiar, of course, with the some monster spells. Yeah. The second one of those comes out, their attitude towards that person is going to change. Oh, that's right. Summoners are seen as like holy guardians. Yeah. Yes. Summoners are feared in that world because it is their only defense against sin. Yeah. Uh, sin being this huge thing, it has an instinctive um, it'll go after human settlements and completely destroy them. I'll I'll read the blurb here. Give me a bit, Professor. Yeah. Let me just oh, okay. It's hard to describe. Sin. Sin is a major antagonist in Final Fantasy X. It is a gargantuan whale-like beast which threatens the world of Spira. It was named by the people of Spira who believe the beast came into being as punishment for their ancestors relying on Machina and becoming a hedonistic society. By following the teachings of Yevon, the people of Spira believe one day they can atone for their crimes and sin will vanish. Vanish. It will. It is represented by the letter Z in the Yivon script alphabet. It appears in many places in Final Fantasy X, sometimes paired with the letter A, the symbol of Yu Yivon, symbolizing the beginning and end of all things, Alpha Omega. Okay. Sin is a whale-like body that it moves with a pair of clawed arms as well as hind legs resembling pectoral fins for movement in water. Every time I see the word pectoral, I think of Ren. Huge pectoral implants. Anyways, okay. it has a long bone. Its body is encased in scales. It can shed and turn into small monsters known as sin scales. Oh, lovely. It yes. carries part of a city. Oh, oh, it get oh, it get just keeps getting better. It carries part of a city presumed to be a part of Xanarkand on its body close to the back of the head. Sin's final form is feather feathery wing-like protrusions that are purple at the tips. So let me just get this straight. It's a whale-sized creature with front arms, pectoral fins, wings, and carries part of a city on it. Yes. I've got two words for this. Big bad. Yes. I'm looking at a picture, and he's towering over some Roman, some Grecian-style columns. Oh, by a good 40 feet. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'll, I'll read I, more. He's kaiju size. He's kaiju, yeah. 
he is. She is kaiju. I wouldn't. Okay, and, let me let me read this here because this might translate over into game. Oh, this would be a this would be holy hell trying to translate this over. Okay. According to Final Fantasy Scenario Ultimana, Sin's body is composed of fireflies, and in that respect, it is no different from a common fiend. However, Sin draws in fireflies to replenish its strength whenever damage, and thus conventional attacks can't defeat it. According to the Ultimania Omega, its body is formed as a result of gravity magic used to draw in further fireflies from the atmosphere and compressing them densely. Sin can recover the parts of his body known as Sin Spawn because Sin can repair its body more efficiently by taking in fireflies that have already been condensed rather than freshly absorbing fireflies that drift around the surrounding areas. Its destructive capabilities are tremendous as it can control gravitational forces and thus fly. People who touch Sin are sometimes carried unharmed to remote places. That's because Sin's body is supple and can suck up those who didn't then expel them. People who have gotten close to Sin may get muddled up and experience hallucinations. This is called being affected by Sin's toxin, but the true reason is that the high density of fireflies that form Sin's body have an adverse effect on the low density amounts of fireflies py present within the bodies of those who approach it. Sin is a mutant in the most conventional forms of weaponry and is highly resistant to attack, able to project a barrier to protect itself. Spirans believe that only the final Aeon can kill Sin, and all attacks the parties wage on Sin in Final Fantasy X only serve to wound it. Sin's signature attack is a huge blast of energy from its mouth known as Giga Graviton, an attack so powerful to induce tecton... What? Hmm? Sorry. I actually experimented once in a game with that, and there is no way to block that attack. No. Okay, yeah. No. An attack no. so powerful it can induce tectonic plate movements visible from outer space. Its other body parts are capable of using lesser gravity-based attacks. Sin has an affinity for water and can often be encountered lurking in such an environment. It can blend into, absorb, and use the water it inhabits as a weapon. Whether Sin's abilities change depending on which final Aeon form, its core, it's unknown. It is implied the post-Braska's Calm Sin never reached its full strength, as the final Aeon in its core still exerted some influence over it, being slowly taken over it by Yu Yaban. It was created during the Machine War by Bevel and Xanarkand a thousand years ago. Bevel had the machines, Xanarkand used summoners. When Xanarkand was losing, Yu Yuvon, a summoner of Xanarkand and its leader, devised a plan to both defeat Bevel and prefer, preserve the city of Xanarkand forever. Yu Yuvon called the surviving people of the city together and transformed them into faith as conduits for a massive summoning that created a spectral version of Xanarkand from the dreams of the former Xanarkand inhabitants. Yvonne sent this dream Xanarkand out to sea, then called Pyreflies to himself to craft the first sin. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay. Okay. Yu Yvonne called the surviving people to say together and transform them into faith as conduits for a massive summoning. Uh, that's apotheosis. Basically, you're killing people off to turn to use their mystical energy to do a massive ritual. Yes, that is how the how all of the faith were created. Their their souls willingly a willing sacrifice to transform them into these faith. We we did find two unofficial uh, adaptations of D twenty and a Pathfinder, and the Pathfinder has pyreflies, which look bad. I'm looking to see if they actually have sin. If they have fireflies, they probably have sin. Okay, I'm trying to get. Yeah, I 
I'm going to try to get to... Oh my goodness, they have Left Fin of Sin. Yep, that is one of the fights getting up to the up to the end. So, yeah, it can be assumed they have Sin. 20d8 plus 180, 270 hit points. Right Fin is just as bad. I just found that on page 295, but I'm getting closer. To sin. That doesn't sound good when I say that. I'm getting closer to sin. Anyway, here he is. Sin, sin Core, page 310. 429 hit points. Yep. Holy mother of what the... Armor class 30. They have actually adapted that pretty well from what I'm seeing. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all this here. Let me just... Uh, yeah. Okay, it's easy enough to convert to Pathfinder. 22, plus 22 base attack bonus. Cool. He has a plus 28 fort, fort save. Yeah. Plus 8 reflex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's only got eight, 8 8 reflex save, though. It is a mindless beast. I mean, it's... It's basically... It... And I think it has a game-based um, feat of Gravija, which is probably something that's unique to this to this adaptation of the game. John, it's, it's, it's a spell-like ability. It's down below. I'll read it. This ability reduces the current hit points of all opponents by 95... within 95 feet to 75%. Opponents can each make a reflex save DC 21 for half damage. The save DC is intelligence-based. This is a standard action that provokes attacks of opportunity. This ability costs, I'm assuming, 256 mana points to use. Yeah, they they use a magic pool system here. Holy mother of what the you know yeah. Oh my, that actually. You said it's called what? Gravisha. Ah yes, okay. He also has thunder. Uh, I know that suffix. Yep, and here's his fin, sin fin. So not only you're attacking him, you're attacking his fins. Well, the, oh, gee, the fins aren't that bad, John. They've only got 34 hit points. Oh, no, that, that's the that's the low one. You, got, you still got to deal with the right and left fin. The 34 hit points in scales. The fins, he said, had 270. And there's also pyreflies, which are near the beginning of the listings on page 218, I think it was. Pyreflies by themselves, I don't think, are majorly aggressive. Uh, this adaptation you're both reading from, not only will I have it by tomorrow morning sometime, it's actually coming across to me as concurrent with the game, considering you do fight his friends, you do fight the court, that is a very dangerous gravity attack. Oh, they've even got stats for all the characters here. I'm seeing Riku, yep, Valifor. Valifor? Yeah, they got stats for Valifor. Oh, interesting. You're right. Pyrefly is a diminutive undead. It's half a hit die. One hit point. Oh, Pyreflies? It's one hit point. Uh, armor class 10. That's naked. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have made them as, as monsters by themselves. They're not really like that by themselves. Uh, they they have a throng between three and two hundred and fifty six. The when they it's when they join together that they can do something. Is the pyre? So 
The list as harmless. A firefly cannot or will not attack for any reason. It is treated as if it has no attacks. Yep. Okay. Never mind. They, they've done it correctly then. They got the stats for the chocobos. Chocobo! Large animal, 19 hit points, plus two initiative, runs at 60 feet per round. That's Talon that. or bite for an attack. And they have their extraordinary ability. Work! Once per day as a swift action, a Chocobo can increase their speed by 30 feet per round as if, undo the effect, as if under the effect of an expeditious retreat spell. Lasts for three minutes and has no effect on either modes of movement such as burrow, climb, fly, or swim. As with any effect, they create speed. It affects jumping distance. Yeah, that sounds about right from what little I know of Chocobos. Basically, it runs pretty decent. Firefly, Okay. And, and yeah, I'm seeing it now. And to really kick it into gear, they're they're fast. I mean, even without using the warp, uh, they uh, I could. It's just yeah. Uh, when you they have it into high gear, they have the feats of endurance and run, which means they can run for a long time. You know what? I could see a team a team from this world running on the Friends Pass on their chocobos. They're riding animals, therefore, that would work. Yeah, I, I would, I actually saw that pretty easily as soon as we were talking about chocobos. And if they breed them and then get themselves, you know, the equivalent of a warhorse mount version of a chocobo, I wouldn't want to mess with them in hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> um, there are established. There is at least one established chocobo breeder in Spira. And is there, the ver- is there a version that, that one could consider a warhorse version of a chocobo? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. I, I can imagine chocobos. I, ne- I never get chocobos as being that great for great in combat. More like you run into combat, get off of them, and then go to combat. No, but there are chocobos that can handle themselves well enough to at least get away. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at some of the stats here for the fiends. I mean, like Basilisk, okay. Yeah, they're like demons and devils to me. That's all I'm seeing. I'm seeing some look kind of like elementals. There are elementals. They got them as, as, well, no, they're, okay, Cactuar, tiny plant, fiend. Well, that's because they're, there's the, um, there's actually... A bit of both there with the cactars. There's ones that are more. Oh dear God! I'm reading their their one attack. A thousand needles. <laughs> super ability. The creature can emit one thousand deadly needles, targeting one opponent within thirty feet. This is a plus thirteen range attack that deals one hundred points of piercing damage. No saving throw. Well, no. If it's a plus thirteen range attack, you either get hit or you don't. This ability is a standard action and does not provoke attacks opportunity. It can be done once every 1d4 plus one rounds. Well, it's got to regenerate the needles. <laughs> I'm sorry. Use a thousand needles. That is, anybody who has played the Final Fantasy series and encountered a cactar, Ugh. a thousand needles shows up on the screen. You drop the controller and cover your eyes. Yep. I'm, I'm sensing from our guest a bit of Disgruntlement, Red, is there a problem? <laughs> it gets worse. 
man, you come across some of those and they pop up and occasionally it's the first thing they hit you with and it's just over at that point if it hits you. It's done. Oh, yeah. That is fine. 100 points of piercing damage. Well, as I said, in here they have it as a range attack, so it's a matter of whether they hit you or not. It's it's not like a reflex save. It's not like a an area effect attack. No, they're very accurate with those things, but it is a ranged attack. Yeah, are they armor piercing? John, if you're getting hit with a hundred points they're of a, of damage at once, needles. They're cactus. If they're doing hundred points of damage, let okay, John. Remember, I use and you, and you know this from when we ran Pokey Earth. You know I do. Armor value is DR, and Red knows this from the Pokier game. Most body armor, like let's say I get people with bulletproof vests on, I think the bulletproof vest might have a DR of maybe four. And then you're going to get hit with 96 points of damage from piercing. And if it's Kevlar, Ke- you know, basically it's the same problem uh, Chainmail had with Bodkin arrows, it's just a bunch of holes. Well, they they don't get that nitpicky with with the armor, but still, let's say you have DR four, son, you're still getting hit with ninety six points of piercing damage, unless you are a high high level character. You're not going to survive that, and even if you use the massive damage threshold rules from D twenty modern, which I also use, which basically to refresh, if you get hit in one attack with damage equal to or exceeding your con, you have to make a minimum DC 15 fort save where you dropped a negative one point of damage and you're unconscious. And then you have to go through stabilization rolls and all that. So if you get hit with, you weren't a bulletproof vest and you get hit with a cactars thousand needle attack, you take 96 points of damage. At the very least, it will shred you to unconsciousness. At the very most, hi, your fringe worthy salsa. Because it will shred you. As per the games, and I'm sorry, Red, in advance, I have seen four levels of this attack. It it ranged from 100 needles with the handheld Final Fantasy games to 1,000 needles, like you've been describing. Then there was 10,000 needles, which Mm -hmm. anything that didn't crack the hit point limit on the game was dead. And then there was the... Monster Arena specific Cactar King 99,999 needles Anything is dead Take one down, pass around No, Um, I'm seeing a creature here A Chocobo Eater Yep Let me tell you from the picture This looks like a two-fisted Chocobo Eater Because the arms on this thing Yes it is Oh, good night Irene yeah, you you get hit by that. Good night. Oh, by the way, Trav, I'm looking at that Pathfinder link I found, and they actually have links to PDFs, and they also have a bestiary, and they don't have Sin, but they have a Cactar. He's only eight. He's only eight D four. Oh, as opposed to hundred points. Different people are going to are translate things differently. What you prefer to use, how evil you want to be. It sounds like if you want to be more truer to the actual video game, you go with 100 points. <laughs> yeah. Good. And I, and I can feel, because I know Red that well, I feel her saying, that's something you can do, and notice I said something you can do. <laughs> Correct. Now I'm looking at 
Now, looking at some of the magic use here, there are things called gun mages. Oh. Wait, what? Where is this? Hang on. I know what that's translated from. I know that's translated from X2, the gun mage dress sphere. Ugh. Oh, yeah, dress spheres. The, the dress spheres, uh, we basically, what was it we laid them on? It was basically in-game mechanics, sort of. Yeah, basically, how your dress is how you is how you as how you work. Yeah, I'm not seeing like a class called gun mage. No, I'm the class they have here are pugilist, summoner, ronin, lancer, blitzer, black mage, bandit, and then the NPC classes are crusader, merchant, and priest. You have to look up dress sphere to find it. It's under jobs. Like I said, hand wave that away. I wouldn't use. I don't. I'm not a particularly avid fan of that system. Uh, sorry, I I like knowing what my party's going to do. So, but uh, ju- just uh, yeah, if you go to the tra- if you go to the uh, more ta- the more tab under back up the page under contents as a more tab, and you'll go to the job system, and then you go to Final Fantasy X two, and that's you get a link to. The dress sphere, and then dress sphere is where you get all the different mages and the gun mage. But they do have guns in this. They do have guns. I mean, they're not they're not strangers to um, pistols and rifles and things like that. Well, no, John, that's that, that's they would just consider them machina. Yeah, not strangers to it. They just don't use them. Uh, they're not supposed to. But we all know how certain things like that are. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.